Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Club Fitting Chronicles, episode 11. My name is Josh. Joining me today is my co-host, Gene. Gene, as always, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I hear you had some weight stuff up there at uh, Mountain Brook the other day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Quite a bit of snow. Uh, last Thursday, um, I think it was, what was that, March? Oh, I forget the day, but it, it uh, in the morning... I was opening and I just saw a bunch of snow on the walls and on the sidewalk. And I was like, this is unusual. So I walked further out and I looked to the tee box and the fairway, they're completely covered in snow. I mean, I'd probably say a quarter of an inch, but it it was a sight to see. That's a quarter inch more than I ever cared to see. Well, well, I mean, this whole winter has just been brutal. I mean, the coldest winter I can remember. I mean, 2019 was pretty cold, but it was not nearly as cold for as long as it's been this year. So it's very unusual. We need a little bit more of that global warming. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, global warming, global cool down, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) So Gene, what do we have in store today for our viewers? Well, we're going to talk about things that can go wrong with drivers. And um, I sat down, I was eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I came up with 11 things for episode 11 that I see either on the golf course or have seen in fittings of things that golfers usually are not even thinking about when it comes to their driver. Hmm. Yeah, so so uh, before we get into that, uh, last episode, we talked about uh, face angle and all that good stuff. Um, is there anything that you want to revert back to from last episode? Yeah, I just want to make a point of clarification. I was talking about offset near the end, and I was watching the clock, and we were starting to get rather long, and I don't think I was very clear And so I couldn't find any good examples, but this is an onset putter. So the shaft is here and the face is in front of it. That would be considered an onset. Offset, it's just the opposite. It's when the shaft is in front of where the face begins. And it was easiest to show on these. A lot of golfers complain about having an offset head An offset head, generally, what it's going to do, it enables you to hit the ball slightly higher because center of gravity of the head is further away from the shaft. And so it allows a little bit more bending, a little tiny bit more launch. It also delays the ball, the club head coming into the ball a split second. For a lot of golfers, that helps them to square it up. Now, if you're a hooker, you probably aren't a fan of offsets. But if you're a slicer, uh, especially in uh, if you slice your woods, offsets can be a great um, extra little help. It's not going to change everything, but it will help. So I was listening to to where, uh, where I was going, and I had been playing around. I had re-gripped this club with the uh, onset, and I was... Still mesmerized with why did they ever come up with an onset? And when I saw that putter, I said, I got to have one because I've never seen an onset putter at the time like that. That was in the early mid 90s. Um, And 
And so I, I just, I think I reversed it talking about it on, on the last video. So I just wanted to clear that up. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So before we get into the ta- today's topic, I just want to give a special thanks to all of our viewers and listeners. Once again, if y'all have any questions for me or Gene, don't hesitate to contact us at our email at clubfittingchronicles at gmail, or just comment and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Gene is pretty generous when responding to those kind of things. And who knows, maybe you may be mentioned in the next episode. Yeah. And again, I'm still waiting for our Alabama people. Um, I got my reservations. I'm almost finalized playing out at Capitol Hill and Greenville. Um, and just want to know what your favorite course is or what we need to think about when we come out that way in, in May. That should be fun, Gene. I'm and also, uh, oh, and also a shout out. We, uh, we're starting to get bigger in England. Really? They're, uh, they're one of our biggest, uh, next to North America, they're our biggest uh, listeners. Germany is right behind them. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, thanks to all our viewers in England and Germany. We look forward to any questions from you guys. And Gene, let's get into today's topic. What What do you want to start with? Well, first of all, if you're an old person like me, um, when I started playing golf back in the uh, late 60s, early 70s, drivers had been 43 inches for generations. Um, back in the 40s, I have an old driver or late 30s that was like 42 and a half inches. And I've seen a couple of them around 42. But for the most part, 43 inches has been around forever. Until we came out with the first graphite shaft. And the swing weight on that club with a graphite shaft, because part of swing weight is the way to... Um, Shaft has a a contributing factor to that, and the swing weight was too low. And so they came out with, how can we make the swing weight higher? And the the choice was simple. Make a second head or make the club one inch longer. And that was the beginning of the end to the driver. They, you know, it was much cheaper to make the club one inch longer and cut off less shaft than it was to make a second head that weighed, you know, 12 grams more. So over the course of time, not a long course of time, they got up to like 48 inches. And then they started backing down. USGA has since ruled and made limits on how long a, a driver can be because uh, I had a couple of people come in once uh, uh, way back in the when I first started getting into club fitting. And I built a couple of 52-inch drivers, which I had to put a butt extension into the shaft to make it 52 inches. Um, And I was like, I'm standing there holding this club. I can't even see the ball from here. I need to put like a magnifying glass or something on the shaft so that the guy could see where the ball was located. But drivers started getting longer. And right now, I went and did a little Google searching and the length mo- that came up most often for a new driver is 45.75 inches. Now, I'm assuming, because most of the time when they measure that, they're measuring uh, to the grip cap. Or where, I'm not the, this point of the grip. 
They're not measuring to the end, they're measuring to there. So if you take a standard grip, it's another quarter inch. So that means if you're squeezing it at the very tip of the club, you're playing a 46 inch driver. Well, then I did a little search and I already kind of knew what the answer is going to be. But I said, what do the tour pros play? And you'll find everything from 43 and a half inches to 44 and a quarter inches. Now, why is that? Why are the guys who have the best swings in the world swinging a shorter club? Well, all the people who struggle to find the golf course with the golf ball and the golf club are playing longer. And it simply goes back to when they started making them longer and they promoted, if it's longer, you will swing it faster. And that is not the case. The physics of a golf club, the weight further away from my hands, when it's further away from my hands, it's up. Much harder for me to hold the angle up at the top of the as I'm coming down. So I release the club and I slow down. And I would have, I probably did that test a thousand times with golfers because everybody who came in to get fit for a new driver wanted, you know, they had their 45 inch driver that they couldn't hit and or 46 inch driver that they couldn't hit. And they would, we would measure club head speed and everything else, ball speed with TrackMan, and then I'd get them into a 44-inch driver, and miraculously, they're swinging three or four miles an hour faster. Ball speed is increased by like eight or nine miles an hour simply because they're able to hit it on center rather than off the toe or off the heel. And wow, you fixed it. And it was simply a length thing. So the way... Um, the way that plays out, though, it, that causes additional problems when golfers try to make it work. Because that's what golfers do. They try to make it work. Any, any thoughts or questions, Josh, about uh, the length issue? No, you know, honestly, it makes a lot more sense to me. Because not only is it is it, you know, the speed thing, but it's also more control. If I were to have a longer club and I were to grip down you would have more control or feel like you have more control over the, over the club. So it, it makes complete sense to me why the shorter drivers or at least tour players are, are using quote unquote shorter drivers um, for that reason. Yeah. And the thing that most golfers don't understand is you can actually still swing a shorter drive. Now, if I, you don't go to a 41 inch driver, you're not going to swing that faster. Sure. Um, but when you, you know, the difference between 43 and a half and 46, generally speaking, for most of the people that I tested, was about four miles an hour slower the longer the club. Because And, and the other thing is, is when I'm not sure where it's going to go, I'm not going to swing as aggressively as when I know where it's going. So... Now, the compensating move, and I saw this yesterday on the golf course, I saw this last week on the golf course, I saw this the week before on the golf course. When a club feels too long, what do you do? You choke down on it. Exactly. Well, a lot of the people that I'm watching are choking down to, say, maybe 44 and a half inches. So they've choked down uh, an inch and a half. That's wonderful that they're playing it shorter. The problem is... The swing weight now is C3. Um, to put that into perspective, um, you know, an older, uh, mature woman 
When you're building a golf club for her, the swing weight generally is going to be around C0 to C3. Well, you got some guy who's swinging out of his shoes, you know, 45 years old, going to, you know, going to be on tour next year. Um, <laughs> as, as soon as he can figure this driver thing out, you know, swinging out of his shoes. And one time the ball goes right, the next time the ball goes left, the next time he tops it, the next time he hits it down the middle. Why can't I do that more? Because you don't feel it. It's too head light. And the problem, you know, the, the tour players, they're, they're going to get, you know, they're going to, uh, the, the, whoever their uh, company that they're playing for is, they're putting rat glue inside the head and they're bringing up that swing weight. Well, it's hard to find people who can do that. You know, if you have a big opening, yeah, I got a, a simple uh, gun that I can put weight into it. But the, most of them, you need a really tiny little needle to get it into the hole, to get it into the head. And when you, ha if you have one of those, you've also spent eight hundred, nine hundred dollars for that tool. Well, you're going to do maybe ten of those a year, and the glue cost you maybe. Oh, if you did ten heads, maybe the glue is going to cost you another hundred dollars. And so, how are you going to recoup your money? It's hard. So people don't have that available usually in a lot of. Um, custom club shops. You're not going to find that at a, uh, a retail store. It's going to be at a custom shop. And the custom guy is looking at, um, you know, how many of these am I going to do each year? I can't afford to do, uh, have this machine sitting here and not doing anything for me. So that tied with people putting on jumbo grips on their drivers. Well, you put a jumbo grip on versus the grip that the golf company put on. There's a difference generally of about 15 to 20 grams. Well, what's that? Well, for every four grams, it's a swing weight. So you're, you've lightened it five swing weight points just with the bigger grip. Doesn't mean that you don't need the bigger grip, but you got to understand you just made the club head lighter. Now you're going to choke down that inch and a half. So now you're playing a, a club head B7. Um, I work with some middle school kids on a, a golf uh, team, and I just got done going to the uh, golf shop, Ace Hardware, and buying some carriage bolts and sticking them inside the shaft of the club to make the swing weight lighter on these clubs. And what swing weight did I make them down to? B6, B7. That's really nice for a, a nice 7th grade or 8th grade junior high person to swing. Well, you get that really strong guy swinging at B7. Yeah, he feels like he swings at a million miles an hour, but he still doesn't know where it's going. So swing weight, that's, that's an issue that people run into. Any questions or thoughts about that? I, I'm just... So adding a bigger grip does make a, a, a pretty significant difference. It does. It's interesting. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I mean, it makes yep. sense. It does make sense because I mean, you're adding weight, but um, correct. I never you're thought changing it was the balance oh. completely. Yeah, I never, I never would have thought that. So I'm going to kind of go out of line with what I came up with when I was eating my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> Another thing that golfers don't realize is how much that point of contact makes on a golf club. 
So this is a, the head that I designed along with, um, well, my business partner really designed it with uh, Clay Long. I was the one who said, well, it's got to be able to do this, 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 and this. And the black marker is right on the center of the face, and the loft on this club is 10.25 degrees. Well, if I hit it near the top of it, it's almost 14 degrees, and you can see that separation. And if I hit it near the bottom of the face, it's about 7.5 degrees. So knowing where I'm hitting it on the face, you know, changes what's going to happen when I hit the ball. Um, most golfers have no clue where they hit the last shot at. And I was playing with somebody yesterday and one shot, you know, I made the comment, how do you have to wait long for the ice crystals to melt when, when you go to hit your next shot? Because the ball was just, it was probably 150 feet up into the air. It was just straight up. And two drives later, uh, if you were playing a deep shortstop, you would have caught it. Because it came off and it was probably about, oh, by the time you got to the hole at short, it was probably about 10 feet, and not even 10 feet, nine feet off the ground. And so if you're a good tall shortstop with some hops, you could have jumped up and caught that. That's the same driver, but he's hitting it in totally different locations. And he, is, he looked at me like, why did that go low? Well, let's look at the face. Oh, you hit it on the, you know, between the first and the second little groove there on the face, you know. There's no loft there. And a lot of golfers don't realize how important loft is. Um, there was, a, in this group, there was a, a lady who, you know, she hit a couple of drives. She had a really good swing. She hit a couple of drives that, you know, the pitcher could not have ducked to get under. And she was well pleased with that because the ball seemed to roll a long way. And then she hit some balls that she called, I skied that one. And the ball rolled out a little bit, but it was definitely higher in the air. And between those two shots, the one that she kind of complained about that she skied it, that ball actually went further because I, I had my little GPS thing on my phone and I was keeping track of it. That went further than the one she was well pleased with because it rolled far. Most golfers worry more about the roll than they do about carry. And most golfers don't understand how important launching the ball is versus hitting a, a, a low line drive that's going to roll. Now, in Arizona, sometimes, you know, if it's 147 degrees and they blacktop the fairways, you might get a little bit of extra roll. But you can't roll it up the hill. You know, you hit a line drive into the hill, the hill kills it. Um, if it, if we have, if you're playing in a place where you have any moisture, ball doesn't roll as far. The big thing that golfers need to understand is just how important that launch angle is. And and I pulled up some numbers from my mentor, uh, Tom Lashon, out of one of his books. If I'm swinging at 80 miles an hour, Ball speed, that's 117 miles an hour. I'm, my maximum carry is 185 yards. But I've got to launch that ball at 14 to 15 degrees to get that. 
if I'm swinging at 70 miles an hour, my maximum carry is 155 miles an hour or 155 yards, but I have to launch it at almost 19 degrees to get that carry distance. If I'm swinging at 110, now I need a 9.5 degree launch angle to get it to carry the to 255. And again, this is just carry. We're not including roll in this. But if you want, if you ever go to a PGA Tour event and you stand there on the tee and you watch them hit the ball, ball gets way up into the air. But it started out at nine and a half degrees. And I have to look up to follow the ball. If I am playing golf and the, pre, and the tour player is watching, he needs to look up to see my shot. If he just kind of turns his head sideways and he can see it, you know, it's a low line drive, you know, 35, 40 feet off the ground. Chances are I'm losing distance because the ball is traveling through the air. Again, if I'm swinging at 80 miles an hour, it's traveling at 117 miles an hour. When it hits the ground, it slows down real quick. You know, when it's rolling out, it's rolling out at maybe five miles an hour, six miles an hour after, you know, the second or third bounce. I would rather have the ball traveling 117 miles an hour. It seems to cover more ground in less time and still have roll at the end of it. And that's one of the things I see a lot of golfers struggling with is wanting low, thinking that will make the ball go further. Thoughts. You ever see that on the golf course? Well, I see it all the time. I mean, now that you mention it, I mean, it's very much an issue with people when they see a ball roll out rather than carry. And when I was a kid or a little kid playing on the golf course, my buddies, I would hit this ball and they were like, oh, that was all carry, you know, and it would just, it would just be, you know, 250 all carry. And then you would have this one kid who, you know, you know, two thirty carry, but it would roll out, you know, ten yards, and I would still outdrive him. But it would be like all carry compared to rolling out. So rolling out doesn't really get you a lot, like you said, especially uh, when you're playing in different conditions. You're playing in moist conditions, and you're only carrying it two hundred yards. You're not going to get your thirty yards of rollout that you're used to. So you can't nope. bank and and rely on rollout all the time. So I, I, I could very much see that being an issue. The next one, and this one's probably one of the biggest ones. Most golfers use this, the top of the club head, to aim. So like they would set the club in this position and say this is pointing at the target line. This is what actually is what aims the club. So as I'm looking at this, it's square to the camera. But if I look at the bottom of the club face, the bottom of the club face is a little tiny bit open. It's actually pointing about a degree to the right. One degree at 200 yards is about six to seven yards of right. And that's assuming the swing path is perfect. Everything else is perfect. You return it to that point. One degree open, six yards right, maybe seven, depending on, you know, wind conditions and everything else. Well, most golfers don't set up with that one degree open. 
Most golfers set up with a three and four and five degrees open. Three and four and five degrees, just multiply by six. 30 yards right, 25 yards right. You know, that's where a lot of golfers struggle with going right. They're looking at the top of the club face, not the bottom of the club face. And depending on how that club face is designed, you know, generally speaking, when the top looks like it's pointing left, it's close, the bottom of the club face is close to square. When the top of the club face is pointing what you see as square, the bottom of the club face, which is going to determine where's the ball going, is open. And that's probably one, you know, one of the big things you see on the, I see on the golf course is, you know, people move their hands forward. Well, what is that going to do? It opens the face up even more, especially with the driver. So, you know, you, you got your, the butt of the golf club pointing towards the middle of your left pocket. If you're a right-handed golfer, well, the face looks square, but the bottom of the club is pointing way out to the right. And it's going to tend to go right. Now, some golfers do that because they have a, that's a compensation for the fact that they come from, you know, their hands never get above their shoulders and they come around like they're playing T-ball. And, you know, they happen to sometimes get the face a little bit uh, uh, close to that path. And then they hit monster hooks. But generally speaking, it's not the top of the club that decides where it's going. It's the bottom of the club that decides where it's going. And, you know, a simple thing that golfers can do, you know, if you have any two-sided tape, you know, if, if I line this up and I'm using, like, the top of my desk, this is square to the desk, but you notice where the face is pointing. This is, I'm actually square to the camera, but the ball is going to go right. When I'm like this and I look down at the face, face is a little bit shut, but where's the marker pointing? Right at the camera. So aiming is a big deal. Trying to figure out how do I place the, where do I place everything? Thoughts, questions about that? No, no, uh, no questions, but it just seems interesting to me how a club face could look square. However, it's, it's still open. And the, right. And it's simply the way it, the way they design a club face, if the top line and the bottom line matched up, uh it would look wrong to our eye. Gotcha. And so to make it look right, that's why the, the top of the, the crown is kind of rolled back a little bit. And it's just, it's more an aesthetic look. It's just like if you look at putters and generally speaking, where the, the line for aiming is, it's generally not going to be in the middle of the putter face because it would look wrong if it was in the middle of the putter face based on where the shaft comes into the head and everything else. Sure. So it's more of a compensation to make it look correct. It's not a uh, thing that changes and makes things more playable. In addition to that, so here's the center of the face, okay? If I tip the ball up, and if I put the ball out here near the toe, I'm going to hit the ball in the center of the face. If I put the club down like this and put the ball in the center of the face and then tip the club up, 
I'm going to hit the ball more on the heel. Most golfers line up the ball, think with that little doodad, if they have one on the top of the head, it's not as popular as it used to be. What I want to do is I want to think of this is the center. I want about half the ball to the outside toe so that I can hit it on the center. Because one of the comments I hear every time, where'd you hit it? On the heel, on the heel, on the heel. Well, it's based on where you're addressing the ball. You have to remember because you're tipping the club down where that center is going to come back. Yeah, it looks like it's on the the toe of the club, but but when you come back into the ball, that's actually going to strike the ball in the center of the face. So where I line up is an important thing. Thoughts, questions. I mean, you touched about that a little bit in the last episode of tilting it up and down. Um, But I mean, it just makes a lot of sense. Everything at address is just as detrimental as everything else in the the swing. I mean, um, that that visual you gave me, I mean, if somebody is addressing it completely wrong uh, or even slightly off, they're going to, you know, mess up. You know, another one is, is simply loft, you know, um, most golfers need more loft than what they think they need. You know, um, loft again is part of launch. Um, you know, it ties in with angle of attack, which was another one of those things that I thought about, you know, learning to hit slightly up on the ball is going to possibly give you a better opportunity to hit a draw. If you're hitting down on a a driver, the tendency is it's going to squirt right. And simply because of the the direction that the center of gravity is traveling in relationship to everything else. Um, But having loft on the club face, most people, when they go into the store, they start looking for the lowest loft. And Generally speaking, the lowest loft is not going to, unless your club head speed is huge and you have a high positive angle of attack, you know, uh, I swing about 90 miles an hour, you know, ideal launch angle for me is 14 degrees. I swing about three to four degrees up. I'm playing a 10 and a half or 10 and a quarter degree driver. That gets me my 14 and a half, 15 degree launch angle that I need. I still get lots of rollout because I'm hitting up on the ball, so I produce a little less spin. But having appropriate loft is critical. And again, there's only one way to find that out, and that's by getting going into some place and finding out what are those numbers? What is my launch angle and what is causing it with my angle of attack and versus what is the true loft in the club face? Um, the other thing tied to that is um, golfers tend to chase the idea of less spin, thinking that that is helpful for somebody like yourself, Josh, because you hit the ball so darn hard that you know I can't follow it after a few seconds. Spin is an important characteristic for you. Reducing spin, you're just gonna—it's gonna give you a little bit more rollout. The way you can tell if your spin is good, when you see the ball launch, if you see it kind of 
peak, and then it goes, you have too much spin. If you see the ball peak, and it seems to carry for a while before it comes down, that tells you your spin is pretty close to ideal. Well, a lot of drivers today are marketing towards low spin, low spin. Well, again, if it's me hitting the ball, and I already have low spin, low spin for me means less distance. Because what holds the ball up in the air is spin. Because the ball speed is slowly, you know, there's friction with the air, but I need that spin to keep the ball traveling on that line. Uh, best example is the good old TaylorMade's SRD or SLDR driver. I don't know if you remember it because you would have been a kid then, probably not even on spring break yet. <laughs> and um, the, it was introduced like during the whole uh, the tour championship thing in Hawaii. And you saw all these guys, their SLDRs, and their ball's going forever. And then they introduced it to the general public. And I had people who were running out to the store to get this new driver. The ball goes forever. And they come into the shop and go, Gina can't hit it. And two things you need to know about low-spinning drivers. That means center of gravity is forward. When center of gravity is forward, average golfer tends to slice the snot out of the ball. So that's one issue that golfers were having. The other issue was is they couldn't get it off the ground. And they were losing distance because they couldn't get the ball to fly. And if you are a golf aficionado and you remember the SLDR driver coming out, what came out about a month and a half afterwards was a new hat. And it said, loft up. And they actually were making that driver at like 14 degrees of loft. Because with the low spin rate, and a nine-degree driver, it was like trying to hit a five-degree or six-degree driver. And most people can't do that. Most golfers worry way too much about spin. You know, the biggest thing that will cause spin, hitting down, hitting a, you know, putting uh, spin on because of the path. It's not the driver. It's a drivee. And... So worrying about spin is, is a big problem for a lot of golfers because I'll hear about that too. Your ball rolls forever and mine does. Well, that's because my angle of attack is positive and yours is negative. It's not your driver. It's your angle of attack. Or it, my, you know, my ball flies straight. Your ball veers off 75 yards to the right. Well, what causes that? A lot of spin. You know, and your angle of attack and the fact that the club face is, you know, 10 degrees open at impact. So threw in a couple things together in that. Any questions about that? Because the last thing I want to really just briefly touch on and we'll talk more about is that mythical adjustable driver. Mm. Yeah, I don't, have, I, I don't or, have any questions. Uh, I mean, you did you did talk to me one time about about. Uh, adjusting the loft and when you adjust the loft you're actually adjusting the face angle as well yeah, well that's the only thing you're adjusting yeah 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 right right yeah the, so they, they say you're changing the loft but in reality you're just changing the face angle because when you change the, the loft uh per se um the face you're either closing or opening the face angle correct so my one of my mentors tom was um he came out with an adjustable driver head that I could work with back in the 90s, way before you saw all the other driver heads coming out. And 
What he discovered real quickly was all it does is doing this and this, because to change the loft, I got to change this. Well, that hole that I'm dropping that club, that sleeve into is not big enough that I'm going to be able to make this kind of a change. I'm going to make this kind of a change. I can open it. I can close it. So for only like the first 300 years, let's say, of drivers, the way we would measure this loft is we would put the shaft standing straight up like this. We would run a protractor up against it, and we would measure the center of the face, and that would give us the loft. Then we have another tool that we would run up against the face, and it has a little arrows coming, a little arrow triangular thing coming off of it. And when we push that up against the face, it tells me where's the face pointing. And that was a lot our face angle. The other, you know, we're determining the loft. And for a long time with a wooden driver, you would just change the angle you drilled the hosel out at, and that would open or close the face. And you had your 11 or 12 degree driver because that's what all drivers were generally made that were wood, 11 or 12 degrees. Well, with the advent of the adjustable driver, now they measure it a different way. So let's say my face is 10.5 degrees and I'll pretend that it's three degrees open. What they're going to tell me is if I happen to get this back to square, somehow at impact, which most golfers never do, they usually come back open to where they started. But if I get this three degrees squared uh, that was open back to square, I now have a 7.5 degree driver. And if the face is more open, like five degrees open, and I get it back to square, I have a 5.5 degree driver. Well, the problem is, is golfers don't do that. Most golfers re don't return the club head back to square. And I was playing yesterday with, with two wonderful people. One person would line the driver up like this. So giving you, that's how they were holding the club head. The other person was holding the club face like this. And trying to be repeatable and find the spot where if they put it at the right angle, they could manage to hit the ball down the fairway. And there were, both of them had huge variances in up and down. Both of them had variances in right and left. And it, I could see standing there when they had... You know, maybe they had it a, a degree more open than they had it the last time or two degrees more shut than they had it the last time or their hands were two inches further forward than it was the last time. And they probably, out of the 13 drives that you hit at Las Colinas, they probably had two that mirrored each other. And both of them commented to me after about the fourth hole, you're boring. Every one of your drives looks the same. Doesn't that get old? Uh, no, no, I kind of enjoy that. That makes the game more fun for me. And, you know, then I had a wild uh, tee shot on number five. I was um, on the left side of the fairway instead of the middle. Um, and then on 
you know, like number nine, I wanted to be right because the pin was left. And so I was on the right side of the fairway instead of the middle. Um, and, you know, they kept making the same comment. Isn't that boring? No, that's the way golf is fun, is when I know where the ball could go and I can point and, and accomplish that. But I see people all day long with the adjustable driver believing that the adjustable driver is telling them correctly. Nike had an, uh, their adjustable driver when it was in neutral position was eight degrees open. Who is that good for? I don't know. I don't, I've never met that person. Um, you know, most of the drivers I went to, one of the local sporting goods stores, and was pulling out drivers and looking at, okay, what is the loft? What is the club face? Most of them, the lofts were 12 and a half, 13 degrees, and they were mostly 13 or three to four degrees open. And that's how most golfers then hit the ball 13 and a half, 14 degrees of loft, three degrees open. So, what does that mean? The ball goes going high and right. Well, what's the compensation move? Well, I got to crank it around this way. And then, well, that changes where I, my hand position is. That change, And how do I repeat that? And so the big thing that, you know, when Scott and Clay Long and, and with my minor help, when they invented, designed this, this is bendable. So we can... If you need a 10 and a half degree, three degrees closed driver, we can give you that. And I can return. The amazing thing is, is I can set this on the ground and it sits on the ground the same way every time. If I have to remember, okay, this looks like it's this way. And then I got to put this the, and, and try to set it up in that position. That's hard to repeat. Setting on the ground is really easy. You know, because generally speaking, the tee boxes should be kind of flat, so it should sit the same every time. All I got to do is set this down on the ground and figure out where's the bottom pointing, and I'm set. You know, the other, um, Tom Wishon, you know, we kind of borrowed the idea of that adjustable hosel by bending it. He has the same thing. He, to avoid the multiple different launch angles, his faces are a little flatter. So if it's a 10 degree driver, it's 10 degrees in the middle. It's maybe 10.25 near the top. It's maybe 9.5 at the bottom. It's pretty flat. So you get more of a consistent launch angle. That helps golfers. Um, you know, again, I would encourage people, if you're looking for uh, help with that driver, go see Scott and, at ADS or give him a call and see what he can do to help you out with that. But, you know, you can, with this, we have a nice little weight port. We can put tons of glue in there to change the weight of that driver. Tom Wishon has a weight, a weight port. I can drop weights into that, change the weight of the driver, but and make it shorter. But the big thing that most golfers need to, to understand is the adjust, adjustable driver doesn't do what it says it's doing. And most golfers need to really think about what are my problems? Am I aiming with the top of the club face? I'm aiming with the bottom of the club face. I'm choking down, but I can't feel the head. Um, I'm not choking down and I'm spraying it all over. 
Well, that's a length issue. You know, the only person who I have ever found who can benefit from that longer club is the guy who's swinging at about 70 miles an hour. And it's very slow going back and very smooth acceleration through. He can generally find somewhere near the center of the face repeatedly. Everybody else goes all over the place. You know, we covered a lot of stuff and took too much time to cover it. And we'll cover more of it later. But any questions, Josh? I don't have any questions at the moment. But uh, considering the fact that it is uh, towards the end of our episode, I just want to thank again all of our viewers and listeners. If you guys want to rate us on whatever platform you're using to listen to us on, we would greatly appreciate it. And Gene... I will see you in the next episode. What do you have in store for us next episode? Do you have any thoughts yet? Uh, I've got to get together. I'm going to try to get a hold of uh, Jason and see if he wants to join us. and uh, Or we'll dig a little deeper into um, uh, some of the things with drivers. I haven't decided which one. We'll, but maybe uh, our viewers and listeners will guide us. Let's help. Let's help. All right, Gene, thanks for today. Everything you talked about today was really interesting, and I look forward to the next episode. Take care, Josh. See you, Keep Gene. that snow off the ground. <laughs>